All right, well, we've been going through the book of Philippians this semester, and tonight we're coming pretty close to the end. We're not exactly there, um, but tonight we're hitting the, the second to last message in Philippians um, with one final week to come next week. But for now, let's get to the message at hand, all right? So go ahead, turn in your Bibles to Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be starting... Um, in, in just a, a few verses tonight, we're going to read verses 10 to 13, but really we're going to hit verse 10 next week and we're going to rest really in 11 through 13 tonight for 10 through 13 is what I'm reading. Just want you to have the full context. So this is what the Apostle Paul has to say to the Philippians. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So tonight I'm calling this message contentment, right? Contentment. I know, simple title, simple title for what really is a simple concept. Well, it seems like a simple concept. We'll get to that in a minute. And the main point for tonight that we're really focusing on that covers all of these verses, the main point is also pretty straightforward, also pretty simple. I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you. The main point for tonight is be content in Christ. Be content in Christ. I told you, it's straightforward, right? Pretty obvious, pretty simple. I'm going to keep on giving it to you. It's not just the main point that's going to be pretty obvious. It's our first sub-point, actually, too. And that is we are to be content in Christ in every season. Be content in Christ in every season. You see, the reason these are obvious points is because that's plainly there, like right in the text. Like look back at the verses as I'm talking. If you're glancing over those verses there, I mean, we see he's talking about Paul here. He's talking about being content in every season. Right? He's talking about being in need and being hungry. And yet he's also talking about times in which he's in a moment of abundance, right? Or has plenty. And what Paul is modeling here is that it doesn't matter what situation he finds himself in. It doesn't matter whether it's hunger or need or it's abundance and plenty. It doesn't matter what situation he's in because his response is the same. His response to all situations is contentment, right? And if mentioning sort of like two of these seasons, if like him talking about the times of abundance and the times of being in need, like if that wasn't enough for us to understand that he means every single season, he just straight up says it in verses 11 and 12. You look at verse 11 there, he says that he's learned to be content in whatever situation. And then we see in verse 12, he says that he's content in any and every circumstance. So it's there, okay? You can, you can see it. I don't, I don't feel like the point of this message is super hard. To get tonight. I don't feel like that I have to spend 10, 15 minutes expounding it to you in terms of, hey, do you see that that's really what Paul is saying? Because it's sort of right here, right? It's not hard. 
And it's not hard for you to just sort of write that down in the margin of your Bible, if you're that type of person, or maybe the journal that you brought, for you to just write, be content in Christ in every season. All right, great, guys. Let's just pray it out. I'll see you at the community event, right? That, that's easy. We could do that. We could have that Sunday school answer. In fact, many of us, that's how we read, right? We'll just, that's what it means. All right, good. Close that book. Here we go. On with our day. But that's not what I want for us. If you guys have been here any length of time, you know me well enough to know that what I want for us is the word of God to bear on our souls. Right? I want the word of God to change who we are. I don't want to just understand what the word of God says. I don't want to just walk away with a knowledge. I don't just want to walk away with one liner or a notebook full of things that I should do. But I want to walk away with ideas for what I'm actually going to do and how God is going to change my life. And so I want to do this. I've already laid out the main points for tonight. You can see them. I'm going to guess that most of you would not if I say, do you understand them? But what I want to do tonight is I want to commit right now. I want to commit to spend this next 20, 30 minutes just diving into it in a way that's profound and deepens our understanding of what it actually means to be content in Christ. That's what I want to do, right? If you agree with that, why don't you just bow your head with me? Let's pray. Lord, That's what we're asking for, Father. We're asking that you would allow us the blessing of understanding your word in a deep way. Lord, we're asking that you would allow us the grace to have our eyes open to what it means to be content. And I'm talking the good things and the hard things, Father. Lord, I ask that as we are opening your word together, we would see that it's you speaking through the Apostle Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that it's not me, Lord, it's not us, it's not our opinion, but it's your word, it's your truth that has everlasting impact. And I pray, Lord, that that's what we see tonight. We see your impact and not ours. Lord, I pray that they would hear your words and not mine. Father, whatever I may say, if it not be from you, may it fall in deaf ears. May it fade away the moment they hit the parking lot. But Lord, may what you say, as you have promised, last forever, never fade away, Lord. The the grass may wither, but your word never fades. And I pray that that is what we see here tonight. Teach us what it means to be content. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So here's what I want to do tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my outline. Right? I'm going to give you my outline on to how I want to do things tonight. First thing is I want to take some time tonight for us to understand the actual definition of contentment and what it looks like. All right? So take some time for us to understand contentment. Second thing I want to do tonight is I want to address something. I want to address something that has been robbing many of us and many of you of contentment for way too long. I want to talk about something that I think we are secretly letting steal our contentment day by day. And I want to get into that. I want to pray for that. I want to ask the Lord to help us strengthen our fight against that. And then last but not least, I want to direct you towards the true source of contentment. I want to direct you towards where we can find contentment and how we can have it. All right? So just to cover that, we're going to understand contentment. We're going to talk about one of the things that robs us of contentment. And then we're going to direct our gaze towards the one who actually gives us contentment. So let's start with that that very first thing. Here's the first thing we need to know. I've got this little sub point called what to know 
about contentment. What to know about contentment. The first thing we should know is, let's start with the definition, right? The definition of contentment, here's a good summary of it. To be content is to be in a state of satisfaction or, I love this one, peaceful happiness. To be content is to be in a state of satisfaction or peaceful happiness. A state of feeling like your needs are met. Right? That the things that are, that are being given to you in life are sufficient and they're satisfying. Like to live a life of, commit, of contentment is to live a life of satisfaction at what you're being given. To live a life of satisfaction with what's around you and what you have to work with. And it's about right here, about right now, that as I was praying through this and planning out, it's about right now that I figured this is where you're starting to feel it. This is where the Holy Spirit is beginning to impress upon you the areas of your life that you do not experience contentment. The areas of your life that you do not experience satisfaction in the Lord. The areas of life in which you're looking for more than what God has provided you and what God has given you. My sense is you're already having those things come to mind. And that's for good reason. It's good reason that it's coming to your mind. Because the second thing that we understand about contentment is that you are called to it. You are called to have contentment. You are called to be content. Like, this isn't just Paul being Paul, right? This isn't him just talking about his opinions and and his expressions. Like, this is something that you, as a follower of Christ, are actually called to be. To be satisfied in all that you've been given. And I, I could point you, you'd hear me say this a lot. I could point you to a dozen different scriptures, right? Let me focus on just two for this one right here. The first one almost sounds a, bit, a little bit like a proverb. And these are going to be on the screen, so you have a chance to write them down if you want to. First Timothy 6.6. 6. Like I said, it sounds a little bit like a proverb. It says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So what that means is that to follow after God, to be of God, To have godliness, that mixed with the contentment that we are supposed to have causes great gain, right? Which means immeasurable riches. But if the the proverb vibe is not your thing, let's just get to one that's a little more direct. Hebrews 13.5, command to God's people. It says, keep your life free from love of money. There it is. And be content with what you have. For he, Jesus, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let that sit just for a minute. We're going to come back to that last part a bit later. The source of contentment, right? For he has said, but let's, let's focus on just the command. And be content with what you have. So in preaching, this is what we call felt need. I think that this is a felt need, meaning that when I mention the word, you feel it. When I mention the problem we're struggling with, you feel it. I don't have to keep on driving it because you feel the areas of your life in which you're lacking contentment. And those areas, let's just talk about a few of them, broad categories, areas of your life that you might lack contentment. Money. I don't have enough money. I want more money. The money I have seems to be going away a lot faster than, than, I, than I hope that it would. Relationship status, I don't have a boyfriend, I don't have a girlfriend. 
I want to. I want to be married. I want to be in a relationship. I feel called to that. I don't have it. I'm not content in that. Friendship dynamics. I don't have any close friends or the close friends I have are not the ones that I expected or people keep on leaving me or whatever it might be. Career status, education status, education level. The degree I have is not good enough. The one I'm working towards feels useless. I don't know what to do with what I've been given. This job feels useless. I feel useless, right? Because I think I have something I need to be doing, but I'm not living up to it. And then low-hanging fruit body image. Not happy with how I look. Not happy with what I've been given in this life. I wish I had what other people had. Contentment. Those are just a few places in which we are often unsatisfied with what we've been given or what we have to work with. And make no mistake, okay? Make no mistake, mistake that being ungrateful or unsatisfied with what the Lord has given you, like having that feeling, it is sin. It is sin. Because it is either diminishing God's character or his provision in your life and elevating the world. Maybe it's a love of the world more than a love for God. Maybe it's just straight up mistrust in God's plan. Or maybe it could be a billion other things that result in it being sin in your life. A lack of contentment in your life is sin. And when you encourage a lack of contentment in your life, you are encouraging sin. When you foster discontentment, when you allow it to spread and consume in your life, you are allowing sin to run rampant in your life. And I want to remind you tonight just what Scripture says to do with sin. Okay? I want to remind you how it says we are supposed to interact with sin. This is from Hebrews 12, 1. It's coming up on the screen here now. We're just going to leave that as you can read it. If you're with us when we preach through Hebrews, you're going to totally, you're going to be like, oh yeah, Cody, you talked about this a billion times. Well, I'm talking about it again, okay? So Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So, Here's what scripture says to do with sin. It says, lay it aside. Lay aside our sin and run the race that God has given us. And I just identified, using God's word, I just identified to you that our lack of contentment is sin. So here's what you need to do. If you don't want this sin in your life, I'm gonna give you steps that you can do, all right? If you don't want this sin in your life, here's another little sub point of things. What you need for contentment, what you need for it, First thing is repentance of discontentment. Repentance of discontentment. So but before we get any further, before I give you any more practical tips, before I give you anything that Scripture says we are to do, the first thing is we need to admit the areas of our life in which we are not satisfied in God. We need to admit the areas in our life that we are yearning and struggling and fighting for more than what he has given us or what we think he's given us. And if, if you don't know what repentance is, if you're like, well, what exactly is that? It's actually pretty simple. It's a confession to God of that. It's a confession to God, and it's a commitment to turn away from it. That's it. A confession to the Lord that this is where I am discontent. This is where I'm not content in you, Lord. And it's a desire to turn away from doing 
just that. You need to identify them. You need to turn away from them when you're feeling discontent. You need to say, nope, not today. Not today. I'm not giving into that today. Not today, Satan, right? I'm not giving into that today. I'm turned away from this. Repent. That's not the only thing that God says we need to be handling. It's not the only thing that that passage in Hebrews says. Hebrews 12.1, right? It said to lay aside every sin, but it also said to lay aside every weight. And that brings me to my next point is that what else do we need for contentment? We need protection from discontentment. That's how I'm going to word it. We need protection from discontentment. We need to protect ourselves from falling into it. We need to protect ourselves from giving into those things. And, and this, this, I'm going to just tell you, you know, like the things that are on my mind lately, this is what has been on my mind a lot because I've preached this passage in Hebrews. I've preached it, I've gone through it, and I sort of set that aside. And just like last month, I was radically hit with it again. When I heard an illustration in this passage that just, it keeps on coming back to me. And, and this illustration that I heard is better than anything I've preached on it. So I'm just going to share it with you, okay? I'm just going to tell you what I heard preached on it. And it's this. When this Hebrews passage says sin, like when it's talking about laying aside sin, that's the obvious one, right? Like we can identify sin. Like probably find a scripture that directly confronts what a sin might be if you're giving into it. That part's the easy one, but it's this weight, right? It's understanding what weight means when it comes to this passage. And, and I love this saying. I swear if it, didn't, if, it, if it wouldn't look stupid, I would get this tattooed on me, right? But the concept is the weight in your life may not be sinful, but it's stupid, right? The question you can ask is what am I doing in my life that may not be sinful, but it's stupid for me to do it? Because it's leading me to sin, it's feeding my sin, it's causing me to sin, it's bringing sin into my life. It may not be sin itself, but it's stupid for me to have it in my life. And the illustration I heard has stuck with me because it relates to the passage in Hebrews 12.1. It says, to run the race that is set before us. And the illustration was, think about an elite marathon runner. How many of you have ever seen someone run a marathon, been at the finish line of a race, something like that, okay? So a few of you, but you get the idea. When you look at elite marathon runners, there's sort of a uniform that comes with it, right? Some brightly colored, really fast Nike shoes, typically. Really short shorts and maybe a shirt. Maybe, okay? One thing you don't see elite marathoners wear are jeans. You don't see elite marathoners run a 26.2-mile race as fast as they possibly can in full-fledged blue jeans. Now, is it illegal for them to wear jeans while running? No, it's not. But is it stupid? Yes, it is, right? Because they are intentionally putting something on them that might hinder them from finishing the race. Guys, like they could get overheated in that. Let's not even talk about the chafing, right? Like there's so many things that could prevent them from finishing that race just by putting on those jeans. Could they possibly finish it? Yeah, of course they could possibly finish it. But Are they going to have their best chance? Absolutely not. Is it wise for them to wear those jeans? Absolutely not. It may not be sin. It may not be illegal, but it's stupid to do it because it's causing them not to be able to finish the race. It's causing them to stumble. It's bringing things into their life that they should not have. So it's right here. As we're talking about weights, talking about how to get rid of them, talking about the things that make us discontent, It's right here that I want to talk about sort of like what I consider to be an extremely dangerous weight in our life. 
something that I told you, I have seen consistently time and time again rob us of contentment. I have counseled it time and time again. And I need you to just hear me out, okay? Let me get through the whole thing before you write me off, okay? I I promise you I'll come full circle. But I do, for a little bit, I want to take a moment and I want to talk about the weight of social media, okay? Just, Just sit with me for a minute. I want to talk about the burden and weight of seeing those that are giving in to discontentment because of their involvement in social media and and the way that it is opening up things in their life. I'll tell you, it breaks my heart every time I see it cause someone in this group to stumble. It breaks my heart every time I see Satan use it to cause disunity and, and to hurt people in this group. And I think it's something that's not just you guys, it's our generations, right? Like Gen Z and millennials. Like millennials, it's our fault, actually, right? Because we sort of introduced the whole thing and now you guys are just paying the price. But either way, like we're all in this together now, okay? And some of you are probably expecting me to say that. And some of you, maybe this is new. But let me just talk about it for a minute, all right? Because most of us, we're not opening up Insta or Facebook, or Snap, or TikTok, or Be Real, we're not opening it up already being in a place of contentment. Okay, we're not starting from a place of contentment and complete satisfaction where the Lord has us, and then we're going to our phone and opening up whatever social media it might be. In fact, it's the opposite almost all the time, right? It's the opposite approach. Like, you're not content with where you are at the moment. Maybe you're bored, Maybe you don't like the fact that you're alone. Maybe you don't like the fact that your friends are with someone else or they are somewhere else that you don't want them to be or you wish that you could be. Maybe you're not happy with the job you're currently working and so you just, you're just trying to escape. But either way, all of these things happen to you. You're experiencing this. And what does your body and mind naturally do if it's been introduced to these things? Just picks up the phone and just starts scrolling, Right? Some of us don't even think about it. Some of us check it without even thinking about it nowadays. But we open the phone and we seek that contentment elsewhere. And the problem is contentment is almost never actually found there. Contentment is no, almost never actually brought to us through it. And, and what we are going to find, we are, we're going to find some things, okay? Here's what we're going to find. We're going to find things that numb us and help us forget our desire for contentment, like things that make us laugh, things that pacify us, things that occupy our minds, or we're going to find things that increase our lack of contentment through comparison and jealousy and, and coveting. Like you see, social media has a way of feeding our discontent or revealing it. I'm going to say that again. Social media has a way of feeding our discontent or revealing it. I want to give you a few examples, okay? Just to, to show you what I mean. So you're going along. You're at peace, right? You're at peace. Maybe you're at home before bed. You get, you get on your phone and you see something that makes you want the newest Stanley. You want the newest Stanley and you've got like one sitting on your bedside table. You might have 10, right? Sitting in a, in a cupboard somewhere. But now all of a sudden, because you've seen something, you're discontent with the one that you have. Maybe there's a dent on it. Maybe it's just not the right color that you're looking for. Maybe the other one's just a better color, right? It still holds the 40 some ounces of water, but now you need the other one that holds 40 some ounces of water. Has the exact same function, but in you, is a stirring discontentment about what you have. 
and the desire for what you want. Now, I just mentioned the easy one, right? That's an easy one. Most of us can probably fight that one, identify it, put it aside. Some of you can't, and you know who you are, okay? I'm, I'm going to leave it there. So that one's easy to talk about, but maybe, maybe you're home with a friend, family. Maybe you're home alone. You're just, you're just chilling. You're just enjoying the night, right? There's not much on your mind. So you get on the socials, snap map, be real, you see a group of people hanging out together. And you wish you were with them, but you weren't invited. Or maybe you weren't around for the moment that they all decided to get together, and it's not even that they didn't invite you, it's just you missed out on that opportunity. FOMO's real, right? Or maybe you got on SnapMap in the first place because you were already suspicious that that was going on, and so you opened it up, and you were just feeding your discontentment. You were just giving fuel to the fire for reasons why you should be upset and for reasons why you should be upset that they're meeting without you. And you're just using it to further that discontentment in your heart. You know, you're on Insta, you're following celebrities and old friends, and you see people that look better than you. You see people that are cooler and doing cooler things than you. You're seeing people that have more money than you. You're seeing people who seem happier than you. And we get jealous because we don't have what they have. We get sad because we don't have what they have. Or we get inspired to do something because we saw it on Insta or Snap or TikTok or YouTube. And so we get it in our mind that if we do the thing that they are doing, if we purchase the product that they are showing, if we hang out with those type of people or that specific group of people, that we will be satisfied, that we will be content, that we will be happy. And us not having it is what makes us unhappy. But guys, it's a lie. It's a lie. Let's relate it to our text. If you're in a moment of need, right? Going back to what Paul is saying, if you're in a moment of need and hunger and you are lowly, then the likelihood is that you're not going to find contentment on social media. In fact, all you're going to find are reasons to be more hungry, reasons to be more lowly. Like, let's, let's get real about hunger, right? What happens when you're hungry and you look at a picture of food? You get more hungry, right? And so when you're needing contentment and you're low and you don't have the things, the worst thing you can do is put on display the things that you don't have so that you can just envy over them and want them. And yet that's what we do. Social media is never going to give it to you. It's never going to provide that to you. But let's go to the opposite. Maybe you're in a moment of abundance. Maybe you're in a moment of plenty. You're just, you're just bounding all over the place, right? Like, I abound. You're doing what you're doing. And you get on social media. And what are you really doing? If you're content and you're satisfied, then when you get on that, really all you're doing is you're opening yourself up to opportunity for discontent. You're opening yourself up for the opportunity to no longer be happy, to no longer be satisfied in the Lord. You're opening yourself up to opportunity to see things that you weren't even expecting to see. Like, did you guys know that every single time that you swipe on your phone, did you know that every single time you do that actual physical, I know the young ones are like this right now, but I'm a millennial, right? So we use this, okay? So did you know that every single time that you do that, your brain releases a chemical called dopamine? 
And did you know that as you do that, it floods your brain and it's a chemical that speaks to your brain and gives you excitement about the things to come. It gives you excitement about what you're about to experience. How many of you have ordered an Amazon package in the last couple weeks and you've just been watching the shipping information? Anybody? Or is that just me? All right. Thank you. Okay. It's what happens when you order something and you're waiting for it to come. It's what happens when someone says they're going to come over and you're excited to hang out with them and you're just sitting there counting down the minutes. It's what happens when you go through the screen of social media and you're waiting to see what's next and you're excited. It's why you get excited when you see the little red bubble pop up of a notification. Or for some of you, it's actually the reason why you get antsy because your body is filling with dopamine and you're experiencing these things of not knowing and feeling the unknown. Like social media is literally designed for us to anticipate what we might see and to be excited for what we might see. And you see, like, that's the, that's the reason it's so great, right? That's why we love it so much because we never know what we're gonna, like, I'm a YouTube guy, okay? I'm just letting you know, I struggle with YouTube. I never know what video I'm gonna see. I'm gonna watch a guy try to eat 30 tacos in 10 minutes. Like, that's pretty cool. I find, you know, but then the next time I might see some guy trying to lift like 500 pounds, you know, like, I'm excited when I see those things. Like, that's cool. I wasn't expecting that. That's what's fun about it. But you see, the greatest thing about it is also the greatest danger about it because we can't control what we're going to see. We can't control what we are going to experience. And the only thing we can do is control how we respond to what we see. And the problem is, if you struggle, if you're the type of person that struggles with having a good and godly response, if you're the type of person that struggles with temptation and contentment, then what business do you have putting yourself in a place in which you're going to constantly struggle with it? And you know, this is, this is so obvious for other sins. Let's step out of this for a minute. So obvious with other sins. Like, if you struggle with porn, what business do you have being on websites that show scantily clad people or movies that encourage that type of behavior. Like what business do you have putting yourself in that place? But if you struggle with alcohol, what business do you have hanging out in a bar all night? Like it becomes so obvious when we think about physical things, but when we talk about contentment and our desire and struggle to compare ourselves to others and what they have and what we don't have, like what business do we have putting ourselves in a place to struggle with it time and time again. And that's just discontentment, right? We're not talking about lust, pornography, comparison, envy, and all the other things that can come from opening ourselves up to something on our phones. And look, I know there's things you can come back at me with, right? I know there's good things to social media. I know that great things have happened because of communication. I know some of you here are here tonight because of social media right? Or because of a website or because you looked it up on your phone. I understand that. I'm not trying to talk about how it's evil in itself. That's not what I'm saying, all right? I'm just getting you to question whether or not you should be on it or how you should be spending your time or how it's causing a weight in your life. That's it. I just want you to evaluate it, okay? I just want you to think about what it's causing you to do. I'm not preaching that it's evil. I'm not preaching that it's a sin, to have Insta on your phone and that we're going to go around in your C groups next time and everyone show me what social medias you have. Sinner, sinner, okay? That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just preaching that it's something we often abuse or something that abuses us, okay? All right, we need to move away from this because I, I keep on going. I'm going to step off the soapbox and we're going to finish up and we're going to point ourselves exactly where we need to be to end this tonight. 
We've talked about discontentment, talked about our struggle with it. We've talked about how we aren't helping ourselves by allowing these weights to be in our life, but that's, what, that's not what the scripture is about, right? This scripture is about contentment. This scripture is about contentment in Christ, not discontentment. So let's look back on it and let's wrap it up in that last verse there. I want to focus on this in Christ. And that's, that's the last point we see. What you need for contentment is Jesus Christ. Sunday school answer, I know, but let's, let's look at it, right? What you need for contentment is Jesus Christ, and we see it here in verse 13. Probably the most famous verse in all of, uh, well, definitely in all in Philippians, but one of the most famous verses of all time, also one of the most quoted. I can do all things through him, and some translations say Christ, who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And the context that Paul is talking about is contentment. He's not talking about how, many, how much you can lift. He's not talking about how far you can run. He's not talking about how many uh, baskets you can make, right? He's talking about contentment. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that context is in verse 12. Look at that again. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. And then look at this line here. I have learned the secret. You know, that word's not used often in Scripture. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. Guys, if I were you, like if this was one of those moments where I had my Bible out and I was drawing the circles for you like I did a few weeks ago, I would be circling the secret right there. I'd be circling that in big red ink, and I'd be circling in him in verse 13, and I'd be drawing an arrow and connecting them because what Paul is saying is, I have discovered the secret to being content in him in Jesus, I can do all things who strengthen me. Jesus Christ is the secret sauce to contentment. He's the secret to contentment. It's in him. In him, we are content. I can do all things means I can endure all things. It means I'm able to put up with anything through. And don't miss with that word, through. Through him who strengthens me. It doesn't mean that I'm capable of anything. It means that I can endure anything through God and Christ who strengthens me. And guys, this secret, like the secret sauce, it's, fall, it, it's found all throughout scripture. And I, I could bring you to dozens of them, but we're going to rest on just one last scripture tonight. I want you all to turn there. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 1. It's going to be on the, the screen if you don't have your Bible on you. We're going to focus on just that first sentence. The reason I want you to turn there is because I want the scripture for the rest of your days, I want the scripture to stand out to you right now on how you can have contentment. I want it to be a reminder for how we receive contentment, where we find it, and I want you to just have a deeper understanding of this passage. You guys see it there? I'm going to read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you have the CSB, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. Think about that. The Lord is my shepherd. Done. I have what I need. No more. No other sentences. No other reason. I have what I need. And then he just goes, goes on to talk about all the great things that, that God does. So what does this mean? It means that because Jesus Christ 
is our shepherd because the Lord is my shepherd. That's what he's saying, because God is my shepherd, because he guides my life, because I'm one of his sheep and I belong to him. Because of that, I am satisfied. I am content. Like if you want to understand what contentment means in our lives, what it means to be satisfied to where God has put us, what he has given us, what it means to be satisfied with who he surrounded us with. If you wanna learn what it means to be content in life, then you need to deepen your understanding of what it means that God is the good shepherd. That's it. Direct your eyes to Jesus as the good shepherd, like to the extent in which we allow him to be our shepherd, to the extent in which we seek him for all that we need is the extent that we are content. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall be content. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall be satisfied. I am satisfied, period. It would be wrong of me to spend time challenging you guys about social media without me challenging you and telling you that the contentment that you're actually seeking is found in the good shepherd of Jesus Christ. He is the one you're searching for. He's the one that you're looking for when you open up that screen. He is the one that you're searching for when you go to that site that you shouldn't. He is the one you're searching for when you open the fridge for no reason, okay? Because when you're seeking contentment, it's only found in Jesus Christ. It's only found in him and the good shepherd. And there's one way I want to encourage you right now. This is it. This is the one thing. If you were to walk away with anything else that will change your life tonight, it's this one encouragement. So many I could give you, but I promise you, I promise you that if you do this one thing, you will find contentment. And I don't make promises like that often, right? Come at me if you think I've made a promise like that even this year in this ministry. But I am making a promise right now. If you learn to do this thing, you will find contentment. And that is get alone with Christ. Get alone with Jesus. Get alone with the good shepherd. Spend time with him. Like, don't get me wrong. Christian community, great. I love Christian community. This whole thing is about Christian community, right? It's a vital discipline of the Christian life. But when it comes to Christ being your shepherd, it has to start with you. It has to start with you and you alone. Let me just list for you. I know I'm going a little long. Wrapping up right here. Let me list for you. David, Daniel, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jesus himself, and Paul. They all valued godly community, but each and every single one of them has a story in scripture in which they were isolated, in which they were put alone without anyone to help them, without anyone to get them through it, and yet they endured and they were content. And why is that? It's because they knew the Lord and it's because they knew how to be alone with him. It's because they knew how to rely on him and they knew who he was and they depended on him before anything else. If any of you have been to our 3C retreats, okay, I get those surveys, right? I send them out and like, guys, let me know what you thought about our retreat. What is the one thing that people say is their favorite thing every single time that we get together and do one of our retreats? Someone say, you know what it is. Solitude. Silence and solitude every single time. People love that. And why? It's because we're teaching them how to get alone with Christ and we're teaching them how to be satisfied in him. And we're giving them opportunity to do it. Because he is our good shepherd. He knows his sheep. He loves his sheep. He tends to his sheep. And the minute you can get alone with God, you just just watch out. 
Because once you fight past the awkwardness and distraction, and that's not God, right? Like the awkwardness and distraction, that's not God. Once you fight past that, and it's nothing but you and your good shepherd teaching you how to be, who to be, how to be satisfied in him, it's amazing. So if there's one thing I encourage you in tonight, if there's one thing you remember, be content in Christ. And start just by getting alone with him. Read your Bible. Grab your Bible, read it. And I don't just mean like read it. I mean engage with it, right? Like open it up. Just find a scripture and pray. Pray through it. Pray that the Lord would reveal to you. Like God wants you to know him. God wants you to understand his word. God wants you to be with him. He's not going to leave you alone in those promises. He's going to speak to you. That's my encouragement. Be content in Christ. For him is your good shepherd. So let's end it. Back to our analogy. Of what's stupid and what's sinful. Okay? If this, if this is the thing you remember, I'm sorry. But someone who has spent time with God and is resting in contentment, someone who knows what he says about them and who they are and how he provides, the best way I can think of it is like, that person that spent time with the Lord that day, it's like, a, like a, an armor, a, a knight in full armor running into battle, right? They, they, they've protected themselves. They've wrapped themselves in everything that the Lord says of their promises, right? But someone who hasn't spent time with the Lord, someone who chooses to not be with their good shepherd, this, this is the best way I could come up with it. I think it's about as dumb as a naked man running across hot coals while dodging a barrage of arrows, like, yeah, like he might not get hit. He might not, he might make it to the end. But man, that's stupid no matter how you look at it. It's daring for us to think that we can be content in our lives without seeking the one who gives us contentment. I'm gonna give you a minute as I wrap up here just to, to pray to the Lord, seek that contentment, to see him. I'll give you just a minute and I'll wrap it up in prayer. Father, I pray that um, you would just encourage us in the things that we've seen, Lord. A different message for sure. One that maybe some of us needed. One that maybe some of us are still fighting with right now. But Lord, you are good. You are the good shepherd. I know above all else, you're the one that we need. No matter how that was communicated, Father, I pray that that's what's heard. Father, we need you. You're the one to bring contentment in our lives. You're the one that will help us follow after Paul in this contentment, no matter what circumstance in every season. And Lord, I pray that you help us be able to discern where we are sinful in this and where we're just dumb in it. Give us that wisdom, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.